0: Let's take our Bibles and let's find Matthew chapter 11. We'll be looking at the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew together uh, this morning. You know, we we are born questioners. We we are born questioning. For example, think about the, the most asked yet the least answered question in the English language. Is the very first question we begin asking after we're born and when we're able to speak. And that you ever had a child or grandchild ask you why? <laughs> and then follow that up with a why? <laughs> and follow that up with a why? And follow that why? Why do we do that? Well, every child is full of every kind of why question about every kind of thing in their little world that moves or that shines or that changes. And when we get older, we don't stop asking the question, why? So why do we do this? Well, that, that little thing in, in the heart of a child, that is the incipient of doubt. It's the initial stage of doubt in the nature of men, women, boys, and girls. And we continue to ask why. I've been asking why all week. Why Why is, is the state of Tennessee, why did we more than any other state vote for Kanye West? What, the state of Tennessee's the number one supporter, why? Why did the state known for its casinos, Nevada, wh- why did that state have the most difficulty counting ballots? You have casinos, you, surely you can count. And why don't I know my Bible, like John King, the journalist, knows that electoral map? I've never seen anybody work a map like that. He knew every state, city, county, street, He knew how many votes were in every house, on every street, in every county, every city, every state. I've never seen anything like that. Why don't I know my Bible like that? From the time we're born to the time we die, we're on this questioning, asking why. And just because you're born again doesn't mean you stop questioning and stop asking why and stop doubting. So today I want to speak to you on the simple subject, living in the land of doubts living in a land of doubts. And as we think about living in a land of doubts, I want to ask this question, what are you doing with your doubts? Because we all have doubts, no doubt about it. We all doubt. There's no doubt about that. The question is, what are we doing with them? Well, I want to show you what John the Baptist does with his doubts, and maybe we could follow suit. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 2 3, 4, 5, and 6. I'm going I'm to read the text, and then we'll unpack it uh, together this morning. Verse 2, you, you follow along. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, here we go. Matthew 11, verse 2. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Now, the one there is talking about the Messiah, the anointed one, the expected one. Are you the one? Or, look at the end of the question, shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Uh, Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you would help us hear from you, that you would help us respond, repent, receive your word in a way that honors you. And we ask it in Jesus' name and God's people said, right, here's the takeaway. Go ahead and give it to you. Jesus desires for you to deal with your doubts. Deal with your doubts. Don't ignore them. Don't pretend like they're not there. Deal with your doubts. Jesus desires for you and I to deal with our doubts. So what I want to do is show you four steps or four ways that you and I can begin to deal with our doubts right out of John's own episode of dealing with his doubts. Number one is this. Stop beating yourself up about your doubts. Stop beating yourself up about your doubts. I don't know if you've ever sung the song, uh, It Is Well with My Soul, when things weren't so well. You ever been there? That song was written when things weren't so well. (laughs) I I wonder if you have sung the song, 10,000 Reasons, while you were searching for just one reason not to doubt maybe it's your life maybe it's your marriage your career maybe it's your family is just a tangled mess and you're asking the question where is God in all of this or maybe you're a student don't have to be a student you can be a student college student teenager uh, maybe you're an adult, and maybe you're tired of getting trau- Maybe you're tired of being trounced on because of your faith, and you're asking, you're sincerely asking the question: Is following Jesus worth the cost? Maybe that's a question, a doubt that you're dealing with. But maybe at work, you're you've taken a stand, and you're living out your faith at work, and you're on the verge of losing your job. Because you will not compromise your kingdom values, and you're wondering, is God going to take care of me? Or maybe you're watching a loved one suffer, maybe emotionally, physically, spiritually, just suffering. And you're at the point where God is not responding the way you want him to. So what do you do with all of this? doubt? You know, we know God honors faith, right, church? God honors faith, amen? But what, where do our doubts fit into all of that? Where do our doubts fit in? What do we do with our doubts? Well, I want to show you what John the Baptist did with his doubts, and maybe the Holy Spirit will encourage you to follow suit. Notice verse 2. Now, when John heard in prison. Let me say this from the beginning. No one is immune from doubts (laughs) okay this John here is John the Baptist yes the relative of Jesus yes the one who came uh, proclaiming preparing the way of the Lord the voice in the wilderness Yes, this is the same John who grew up in a godly home his mother was a devout fear of God Elizabeth His dad was in the priestly line. He even got chosen to go into the Holy of Holies. I mean, That's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is the home, the godly home that John the Baptist grew up in. He not only bore witness of Jesus in the wilderness, John the Baptist bore witness to Jesus when he was in his mother's womb. You remember that? Mary greeted Elizabeth, and the Bible says that, 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 that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. From the very womb, John the Baptist is pointing people to Jesus. He is testifying and bearing witness to Jesus. That's this John the Baptist. It's the same John the Baptist who was the last of the prophets at the end of Malachi. And God used him to break the 400 years of silence. As he is the one Isaiah prophesied about. The voice in the wilderness uh, calling out, crying out, prepare the way of the Lord the same John the Baptist who came preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand same John the Baptist who said of Jesus as he pointed people away from himself and pointing people toward Jesus he said behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world same one who said that Jesus is the one who is coming after me is mightier than I same one who said he must increase and I must what Same John the Baptist who said he will baptize the Holy Spirit in fire. Same John the Baptist who baptized Jesus. He was there when when the heavens opened. And, And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended and rested on Jesus. And the voice of heaven said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. The same John the Baptist. The same one who is doubting here. If John the Baptist can have doubts, then any Baptist can doubt. And even non-Baptists can doubt. No one is immune from doubts. No one. Stop beating yourself up. Think about the four people. Somebody say four. Only four of them in the New Testament who we have recorded who referred to Jesus as my Lord. Only four people. One of them is Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. When Mary greeted her, this is what Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women, talking to Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, talking about Jesus. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's the first one, Elizabeth, representing the religious fears of God. Second one was Paul the Apostle, who said, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul was the second, representing the, the religious elite of his day. The third one was Mary Magdalene at the tomb of Jesus. The tomb is empty. Jesus is gone. She's weeping. The angels ask, Mary, why are you crying? She says, well, they've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. The fourth one is doubting Thomas. Did y'all hear that? Doubting Thomas. <laughs> And after he saw the nail marks in Jesus' hands and feet, he says, my Lord and my God. All four of these individuals had their own doubts. All four of them. None of them were immune to doubts, yet all four of them were able to say, my Lord, when referring to Jesus. Abraham and Sarah, did they have any doubts that Sarah would bear a child? Did they have any doubts about that? (laughs) Yeah, they had their doubts. David had bouts with doubts. Just read through the Psalms, and that'll be clear to you. Job had doubts if he'd ever get a day in God's court. Gideon had doubts about victory. Elijah had doubts if God was able to deliver him from Jezebel. Moses had doubts that he could even speak. Paul had doubts of thorns in the flesh. Listen, no one is immune to doubts, church. No one. So stop beating yourself up about your doubts. We live in a land of doubts, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a citizen in the country of faith while you live in the land of doubts. We're citizens of a better country, a heavenly home. (laughs) We're not citizens here. Yeah, we live in the land of doubts, but that doesn't mean we can't be a citizen in the country of faith. So what do we do with these doubts? Here's what we do. We follow what the Holy Spirit tells us in Jude 22. Now, Jude doesn't have any chapters. I guess you could say it has one chapter uh, because there's only one chapter, and it has verses. And in Jude 22, the Bible says this, and have mercy on those who doubt. How many of you know it's easy to judge somebody (laughs) I'm good at that right? I'm pretty good at judging folk how many of you know it's easy to condemn somebody it's easy to unfriend and unfollow it's easy to block somebody it's easy to be fed up with somebody it's easy to write them off although the Lord has maybe written them in it's easy to throw your hands up and be done with them But we are commanded by God Almighty to have mercy on those who doubt. To have mercy on them. Even if that one is you, stop beating yourself up because of your doubts. Doubts happen to even the strongest of believers. So stop beating yourself up. But you can't stop there. Once you stop beating yourself up, you got to take another step. And that is, you need to start taking your doubts to Jesus. I love what John the Baptist does here. John the Baptist doesn't go to, uh, to, to poll people. Polls aren't doing so good these days, are they? Polls are really struggling. So he doesn't go poll a bunch of people. He goes to the source. He goes to Jesus Christ himself. He doesn't go poll the religious elite or the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes and say, hey, is this Jesus the Christ? He doesn't do that. He takes his doubts directly to Jesus. Now, obviously, he has to go through his disciples because he's in prison and in prison. His disciples are visiting him, and he sends them out to Jesus to ask the question, are you the Christ? I read about a, a young lady who suffered some terrible abuse and her friend wanted to pray for her and said hey I want to pray for you so answer this question what is your picture of God at this point point?" and this girl who had been so abused this was her picture of God and she says it like this and I quote my picture of God at this moment is he's standing with his hands in his pockets and he's doing absolutely nothing John the Baptist is in prison in this text. Jesus is being rejected. John the Baptist sees Jesus as one who's standing there with his hands in his pockets. Is he doing anything? Is he really the Christ? Is he really the Messiah? Did we get this wrong? Is there someone else that's supposed to become? Was I confused and and get this backwards? And so he sends this question to Jesus. And even though it seems like the church, and I'm talking about Big C Church, is losing ground in our nation. And even though it seems like your life may be falling apart. And even though it seems like Jesus is standing there with his hands in his pockets. John the Baptist still took his doubts to Jesus. And we need to do the same. (laughs) Take your doubts to Jesus. You know how I define a good day? What's a good A good day is not a day where you're not carrying around any doubts. A good day is when you carry your doubts to the King, to Jesus. Carry them to Jesus. Bring your doubts to him. Spurgeon said it like this: Child of God, you you cost Christ too much for him to forget about you. You cost him too much. Stop nursing your doubts you know if you take a baby and you nurse a baby and what's that baby going to do? that baby's going to grow so if we take our doubts and we care for our doubts and we nurse our doubts our doubts are just going to grow and grow and grow don't care for them carry them to jesus why should i trust jesus with my doubts i want you to show you what jesus did not say to john notice what he didn't say he didn't say yes or no He didn't answer the question, yes or no. Like when John said, are you the Christ? He didn't say yes, and he didn't say no. Notice he also, uh, he didn't rail on John. He didn't say, John, you baptized me. you telling me you don't know who I am? Come on, man, you know this. He doesn't rail on him. He doesn't tear into him. He doesn't tell him off. He doesn't treat him like so many of us treat each other. Praise God for that. He didn't do that. This is why you can trust Jesus. This is why you can bring your doubts to Him. It's not going to scare Him. It's not going to surprise Him. He can handle it. You bring your doubts to Him. And when you do, mercy is going to be extended. And let me show you how we know this. Look at verse 11. This is going to blow your mind. Look at Matthew 11, verse 11. You talk about, wow. I, mm, you know that emoji with a head exploding? I wish I could make a face like that right now this is wow look at this verse 11 Matthew 11 truly I say to you among those born of women there has risen no one worse is that what it says (laughs) worse than John the Baptist how could one who had so much revealed to him turn around and doubt who I am is that what Jesus says No, he says, this one who doubted me, and notice it's not only what Jesus said about John the Baptist, which is bold, that he's the greater, no one greater than John the Baptist has ever been born of women. No one greater than John the Baptist. It's not only what he said, but it's when he said what he said. He said it after he doubted, after he had this episode of doubting. Jesus extends mercy. He extends grace. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you'll bring him your doubts, you're going to get mercy, and you're going to get grace. Why would you not bring your doubts to him? It makes me think about a football game years ago, 1993, January the 3rd, playoff game. I'll never forget this game. And I'm not a fan of either team, but I just, I can't, what a game. The Houston Oilers and the Buffalo Bills, playoff game. Warren Moon was the quarterback of the Oilers, Jim Kelly, the quarterback of the Bills, but he was injured for that particular game, he did not play, so Frank Reich was the quarterback of the Bills. During this game, which the Oilers were hammering the Bills, 28-3 at halftime, Thurman Thomas had gone out of the game, starting running back out, starting quarterback out, nobody in the Bills' locker room ever believed they would ever come back to win. The only one who believed was Frank Reich, and he got the team together. He said, "Hey, we got thirty minutes. We can come back." Nobody believed him, and he kept on. We can come. We can do it. There's enough time. We can do it. He goes out. First drive. Frank Reich throws a pick six. Interception goes the other way. Now the score's thirty-five to three. Digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper, and more doubts and more doubts and more doubts. You know, the Bills ended up winning that game 41 to 38 in overtime. Wow. I know it looks like the church is losing ground. I know it looks like Christianity in America is dying. I know it looks like Jesus is standing with his hands in his pockets. And I know the situation seems hopeless, but Jesus is still on the throne of grace. So bring your doubts to him, take them to Jesus. He is ready to extend grace and mercy to you. Here's another step that we miss so often. We miss it. Number three, stay connected. Stay connected with other doubters at church. And by the way, we're all doubters. We all have doubts. That's who we are. We're doubters. And that will make a lot of sense here in a minute. But we need to stay connected. Notice John is in prison. Somebody say prison. Prison. He was in a dungeon actually. Isolated. Alone. Isolation is the breeding ground of doubts. That's where doubts grow is in isolation. The Christian life has never been intended to be lived in isolation. You cannot, follower of Christ, follow Christ in isolation. You you can't do that. John finds himself in prison. He's normally used to being in the wilderness. He's normally used to being with crowds of people, preaching, proclaiming, with his disciples. His disciples come visit him, sure, but they're not with him as if, he would not be in prison and why is he in prison here's why he's in prison he called out the king for his sin remember he came preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the king took his brother's wife to be his own and john the baptist called him out and said this is immoral behavior you cannot do this and the king did not like being called in on the carpet and he threw john the baptist into the dungeon so he finds himself in this prison Max Lucado captures this well, what John the Baptist must have been experiencing. He writes, he was a child of the desert, leathery-faced, tan-skinned, clothing of animal skins. What he owned fit in a pouch. His walls were the mountains, and his ceiling the stars, but not anymore. His frontiers walled out, his horizon is hidden, the stars are memories. The fresh air is all but forgotten, and the stench of the dungeon relentlessly reminds the child of the desert that he's now a captive of the king. In anyone's book, John the Baptist deserves better treatment than this. After all, isn't he the forerunner of the Christ? Isn't he a relative of Messiah? Isn't he the very least a courageous voice of repentance? And these doubts are growing in the heart of John. Growing, growing. In isolation they grow. Now, I'm not suggesting... If you take a stand for Christ, you're going to be thrown in prison. But I will say, if you stand for Christ at home, in your neighborhood, at work, at school, you're going to be shunned. You better believe, you better just get ready for it. You're going to be left out. You're not going to be invited to this or that. When you stand up for Jesus, people are going to look at you like you got three heads. And they're going to keep their distance away from you. You better believe that. And then doubts are going to start to set in. When you get isolated at work and isolated at school and isolated home, that's why we need each other. That's why we need to stay connected as the local church. This is why it's so important that we not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. And the reason why we do this is to encourage one another as we see the day drawing near. Encourage means to enter courage into. You need courage entered into you, and I need courage entered into me. We encourage one another when we're together, not when we're apart, but when we're connected, when we're holding each other accountable, when we're challenging each other and praying for each other. This was doubting Thomas' problem. Think about it. In John 20, this whole thing spun around this idea Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. He was not with them. He was not with the disciples. Thomas was not there. They told Thomas what happened. Thomas doubted. He said, unless I see this, 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 I'll never believe. He doubted because he was not connected to the other believers. The next week he got connected and he brought his doubts with them, but his doubts did not stay with him because he saw who Jesus is and he believed. This is why we need to bring our doubts with us to church. We need to bring our doubts to Christ. We have to stay connected. We have to. And there's plenty of options here to stay connected. Every Monday and Wednesday morning, I do what is called, it's a Zoom call, called Pulsawa PSG. It's 20, 25 minutes, a devotional word, prayer, encourage each other. We do that every Monday and Wednesday morning. Anyone can join that. You can find the link on the bridge or the website. You, You don't have to be there every time. You can be there every other time. You can be there once every four or five weeks. But every Monday and Wednesday, we gather to encourage one another. You can be a part of that. Wednesday night, 6 p.m., right here in this room, we have Bible study. Students, adults, uh, children, everything's going on at the same time at 6, and this is offered online as well, opportunity for you to get connected. Sunday morning at 8.15, we have a service in here. At 10.45, we have a service in here. And also, this service is being streamed into our chapel right now, where we have people who are more comfortable being in a room with people who wear masks only. That's a mask-only service at 1045 streamed into the chapel another opportunity for you to get connected we've got zoom life groups and zoom bible studies you can go to our website and find information about that why is this important we have to stay connected we have to stay connected why should we here's why in our world in our nation in our city in our very Jerusalem to the ends of the earth unbelief is rampant is it not Compromise is rising. Division is evident. Error is celebrated. Doctrine is rejected. The truth is forsaken. Doubts are dominating, but Jesus will never abandon his church. So we got to stay connected. Church. Number four. Last one. Here we go. Number four. Look at verse 4. 5 and 6. Verse 4, here's the fourth step we need to take. Steer your doubts toward belief. Jesus directs John the Baptist to steer his doubts toward belief. Jesus tells John to go back to the very thing where he started doubting. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 2 real quickly. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds, somebody say deeds. The deeds of the Christ. In verse 5, we have a list of the deeds of the Christ. Here they are right here. We don't have to guess what they are. The blind receive their sight. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that the Bible doesn't say that the blind received an eye-seeing dog, but the blind received sight? Amen? Isn't it good to read here that, hey, the lame walk, not the lame received a walker, but the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. not the lepers received a cleaning, but the lepers are clean. And the deaf hear. Not that the deaf received a hearing aid, but the deaf hear. And not that the dead are buried, but the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus takes John the Baptist right back to the very thing where he started doubting. He heard about the deeds of the Christ, and he's questioning in his mind, I thought he was coming to overthrow Rome. Why am I in jail? Why is he being rejected? Is this the Christ? And then Jesus takes him right back to the Word of God. Isaiah prophesied all of these deeds. The Old Testament prophets prophesied what the Messiah would do. John would have known that. He's taken him back to the Word of God. He's taken him back to the basics. He's taken him back to the very reason why Christ came. Jesus did not change the mission. He came to teach, to preach, and to reach people. This is why he came. This is why he sends us. It has not changed. And he takes John back to the very place where John doubted. He said, John, look again. John, look again. John, look again. And don't miss verse 6. Verse 6 says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Just like the blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers cleansed. What verse 6 means, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. What verse 6 means is those who are experiencing stumbling blocks of doubt. Jesus, just like he can take the blind and make them see. He can take the lame and make them walk. He can take the deaf and make them hear. Just like he can take the dead and raise them up. He can take your stumbling blocks of faith, verse 6 says, and he can transform them into stepping stones of faith. He can do it. He is doing it. He'll continue to do it. He wants you to steer your doubts toward faith, just like he called John to do, just like he called us to do. Listen, I know that if Chick-fil-A was in charge of counting the votes on election night, that would have been handled in a couple of hours with a, my pleasure on the end. I know that. But that didn't happen that way. Didn't happen that way. And doubts set in. And doubts continue to set in. And these stumbling blocks of doubts can be dangerous. But if we bring them to Christ, he can take them and transform them in stepping stones of faith. And here's a question that I hope you ponder. I hope you take this question away with you. Why do we put so much faith in our doubts? Why do we do that? Why do we put so much faith in our doubts? And we give up so easily on our faith. How about let's start today? How about let's start doubting our doubts? How about that? How about let's call out our doubts? Jesus isn't speaking anything new here to John. He says, "John, you got to go back to the basics. You got to go back to the Word of God. You got to go back to the reason why I came." Th- think about it like this: faith. What's the opposite of faith? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Sight is the opposite of faith. Paul said it like this. Now we see but a poor reflection. What does that mean? Now we see, but in way of our vision is is confusion and and questions and, and doubts and unmet expectations and limited perception and difficult situations. And we can't see in whole, but only in part now. But one day, all that will be gone and we'll see and whole. We'll be known fully and we'll fully know. Meanwhile, we have these doubts. Doubts are not the opposite of faith. In fact, in your doubt, there are seeds of faith. In fact, you can't have faith Without doubts, you can't. Because if you have sight, there's no more faith. If you can see it and touch it, faith is not required. Faith is only needed and required when there's doubts. Think about the most remarkable statement ever made about Jesus, I would argue, in the New Testament. is from Doubting Thomas. He called Jesus my Lord and my God. He saw Jesus both as his Lord and as God at the same time. But when did he say that? On the heels of doubt. In Thomas's doubt was the seed of faith. And in the same way, Jesus wants you to deal with your doubts today. They can be dangerous. Doubts can be dangerous. They can cause you to miss salvation because you doubt the work in the person of Christ. Don't doubt that. John is right when he said, blessed is the one, or behold, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus did take away the sins of the world, and he did it by becoming sin for us. He did it by dying on the cross and taking our sin, our shame, and death to the grave. And he killed it in his death. He put it all to death in his death. Three days later, he was raised to life. And he comes to give you life today. And you can have that light if you put your faith and trust in Him. So don't allow doubts to keep you from believing that Jesus is the Christ. He is the one who has come to set us free and help us enter into, calls us to enter into a relationship with God the Creator. He wants to be in a relationship with you, and Jesus is the one that makes that possible. So turn from your sin and say, Lord, I want to have a relationship with you. Forgive me. Jesus, come into my life and call on His name, believing in your heart, the work that he did at the cross, and you will be saved. Now for us believers in the room, doubts can cause you to miss the abundant life. It can cause you to stay disconnected from the church. Some of you, you know, as we get, get close to the new year, we don't need to make New Year's resolution in 2021. We all need to make an old year resolution and come back to church. That needs to be our resolution. Get back connected with the church. Take whatever step you need to take to get connected and stay connected to the local church. Jesus desires you and I to deal with our doubts. And we know this from Scripture. We read about it. Why did Jesus tell us that God made us male and female? You know why? Because Jesus does not want you to doubt your being. Why did Jesus tell us, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men? Because he doesn't want you to doubt your calling. Why did Jesus say, Abide in me, and you are truly my disciples? Abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Because Jesus doesn't want you to doubt your obeying. Why does Jesus say, Ask, and it will be given you? Because he doesn't want you to doubt your praying. Why does he say, Seek, and you'll find? Because he doesn't want you to doubt your seeking. Why does he say, Trust in God, trust also in me? Because he doesn't want you to doubt your trusting. Why does he say God is spirit and those who worship him worship in spirit and truth because he doesn't want us to doubt our worshiping. Why does he say love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself because he doesn't want us to doubt our loving. Why does he say as you've done it for the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me because he doesn't want us to doubt our giving. Why does he say rejoice that your names are written in heaven because he doesn't want us to doubt our rejoicing. Why does he say That my sheep know my voice. I know them. They follow me. Because Jesus doesn't want you to doubt your belonging. You belong to him, church. He is the good shepherd. And he is calling us to deal with our doubts. So would you stand with me as we deal with them? Father, we pray in the name of Christ that we would take that step, every one of us. As a believer, those who have trusted in Jesus, take that step. Lord, that stumbling block of doubt, as you transform that into a stepping stone of faith, we pray that believers would come and flood these steps, confessing those stumbling blocks of doubt and stepping over them and sidestepping them to the stepping stone of the step of faith that you want them to take today whether it be be baptized some believers have not been baptized and they need to be baptized and I don't know what they're waiting on you have called us to be baptized and I pray they would come and say you know what I need to make this a priority in my life some of us need to come back to church and that needs to be a priority some of us need to join this church we've been visiting for some time and we've not taken that step we need to do that today some of us worshiping online need to take a step of faith and reach out and let us know who you are and how you heard about us and how we can pray for you some of us need to trust Jesus for the very first time and be saved that we've not taken that step because we have doubts. Don't let the enemy tell you that you can't come to Jesus because you have doubts. Praise God. You can come to Jesus because you have doubts. Because in your doubt is the seed of faith. So come to Christ today. Open your heart and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I want to be in a relationship with you and I trust Jesus' work on the cross. I, I want Him to be my personal Savior. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So do that now. If you've already done that, you need to text us, connect to 79969. If you're in the room or not, and let us know what decision you made today for Jesus. Let us know. Text us the word connect to 79969 and let us know what stumbling block of doubt God is turning into a stepping stone of faith in your life today, right now. We're going to worship like we're saved. We're going to worship like God's taking these stumbling blocks of doubts and transforming them into stepping stones of faith. And as we worship, it's your time to respond. You can text us, 79969, whatever decision you made today. You can come to these steps. I'd love to pray with you. Or you can just get on your face before God Almighty today. Now's the time to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.